Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So I'm going to start by reading the passage which is in 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to turn to that. It's, I'm going to start with verse 4. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts... But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, excuse my page turning, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put together the, has put the body together giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all 
are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Oh, that was a passage, wasn't it? Um, I feel like I, I could be done there. But I wonder if you ever look around and wish you had someone else's life, someone else's skills or talents. I've got six brothers. And when I was at school, my two older brothers, who I really looked up to, were super clever and popular and even got picked for the main parts in the school play. But I was never as clever as they were. I didn't get a single A in my GCSEs. I scraped through my exams. I can remember going for an audition for the school play in year seven and the music teacher, Mrs. Bennett, being excited because another Bethany was here, had arrived at the school. And that my brothers had been great at drama. I remember, though, in that audition, the awkward disappointed look on Mrs. Bennett's face as I tried my absolute hardest to read the lines with a posh accent. I was terrible. I couldn't act to save my life. And, and actually, I was just pretty average at everything academically. I had to go through clearing for uni, and I basically chose my degree because it meant I got to live by the sea. <laughs> Those feelings, though, of not being quite good enough can often follow us into our adult life. If we start looking around at other people, there's always people who are more clever, more creative, more talented and skilled, more beautiful, more funny, more confident than we are. We can feel like stepping back and keeping quiet and letting those who are better than us just get on with it. But this is the way the world works, not the church. The world competes and criticises. The world shames the weak and glorifies the latest celebrity. But in church, in God's family, everyone is equal. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone is needed to build God's kingdom. In the church, instead of looking at ourselves, thinking we're something special or not worth very much at all, we look at Jesus. Our purpose is to show how great Jesus is, not how great we are. We take our eyes off ourselves and fix them on the one who has his eyes fixed on us. And he says about us, I made you. I love you. You are valuable. You are significant. You are equal to the person sat next to you. I have a purpose for your life. And he also says this, I have gifts for you. We've just read in the passage, haven't we, that God gives gifts to each one of us in his family. Holy Spirit, supernatural gifts with the purpose of building up the church. We have Holy Spirit power available to each one of us specifically to be used to grow the church, to encourage and bless each other and to show the world Jesus. 
These aren't just our personal skills on steroids. They're supernatural power given from God to display how good God is. So we've got a responsibility to use these gifts. They're not for our own benefit. We, we can't choose whether or not to use them because they're for the benefit of the church. They're for the blessing of the whole world. If we don't use the gifts God has given us, everyone else misses out. Now, it may be that you know exactly what gifts God has given you and you're using them regularly to serve and bless the church. And that is really wonderful. If you see other people using their gifts, please tell them, point them out, encourage them, celebrate them. It is a wonderful, beautiful thing when the presence of God is made known through people bravely stepping out in the gifts God has given them. I'll tell you who's really good at encouraging is Cheryl. I was just in the prayer meeting before church with Cheryl and she prays. You know, Cheryl prays every week for Lizzie Watkins, who works at this centre. She doesn't come to this church, but Cheryl can see the gifts that Lizzie Watkins has got. And she blesses her and she prays for her every week. And you know who else she prays for every week? Who is it, Cheryl? Do you know who, who you pray for every week? The person who sings here? Dana. Dana. Every week, Cheryl points out the gifting that God has given Dana and is like, thank you, God, for Dana. Thank you for that gift and bless it. Like, isn't that amazing? Like, We need more Cheryls who are going to point out other people's gifts and encourage them. Like, what, what an encourager. Cheryl, you are an encourager. But it may be that you're not so sure what your gift is. Maybe you, you used to be more confident of that answer, but life circumstances have changed and somehow your confidence in who you are as God's child has been knocked. I would love for each one of us today to leave feeling more confident in the gifts God has given us. Not confident in ourselves, but confident in God. At the end, we're going to have some time to pray for each other and I'd really encourage you to make the most of that time. But I want to spend a little bit of time looking at some of the gifts in this passage. And, and even in this passage, this isn't a, like an exhaustive list of all the gifts. There's so many more lists. If you've got a pen and a paper, I can give you the other lists because you can find them here in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10 and 27 to 30. But you can also find them in Romans 12, 6 to 8, Ephesians 4, 11, and 1 Peter 4.11. And we could probably spend the next 10 weeks, 10 months unpacking the spiritual gifts, but I've got about 10 minutes. So in preparing this talk, I found this book particularly helpful. If you want to really dig deep into the spiritual gifts, I'd really encourage you to um, have a look, look at this book. Um, it's called Understanding Spiritual Gifts, a comprehensive guide. Here you go. That's all you need by Sam Storms. And Sam Storms is someone I really respect. Um, and he's been really helpful for me as I've been preparing this talk. In fact, he's been so helpful that I've definitely pinched a few of his sentences. <laughs> so if I say anything that's particularly powerful, it was probably Sam Storms who said it first. So let me just quote him for a minute. This is what he says about spiritual gifts. 
the question of whether spiritual gifts are for today directly touches the very mission of the church and how she lives out her calling, how we speak to the world, the way we encounter the enemy, the expectation with which we minister to the broken and wounded and despairing are all bound up in how we answer the questions, shall we or shall we not be the church of the Bible? Shall we or shall we not build the church with the tools God has provided? Spiritual gifts should not be an optional add-on. They are the tools we've been given by the God of the universe to build his church. So with that said, let's have a quick look at some of the gifts mentioned. Firstly, messages of wisdom and knowledge. We often would call this having a word of knowledge for someone. Um, There's no explanation particularly that goes with this verse. And actually, there's no explanation anywhere else in the Bible as to what that means. But we do see moments in Jesus's life when Jesus just knew things about people, things that he couldn't have known apart from the Holy Spirit giving him a supernatural knowledge, like he knew the thoughts of the Pharisees, or he knew all about the Samaritan woman that he met at the well and how she'd been living. And it seems that supernatural insight is a gift that God gives to speak directly into people's lives. We hear incredible stories of when God uses his people to speak directly into the life of someone else. One of my favourite experiences of this was many years ago and I was in the queue for a nightclub with my friend Lisa. I've got many stories about Lisa that I would love to tell you, but we would be here all day. Now, Lisa was a bit of a nutter and um, she was really fun. We also used to drive around in her car. She was the only student of us who had a car and throw eggs at people. But on this occasion... We were in this queue and Lisa felt she had a word from God um, about the guy who was in front of us in the queue. She tapped him on the shoulder and said to him that she felt God wanted to say to him that God loved him even more than he loved his own son. Not God's own son, God, you know, the guy's son. And the guy promptly burst into tears. He'd never told anyone that he had a kid. The same friend of mine, Lisa, tapped another man on the shoulder during church one Sunday, much to my embarrassment, because she had sensed God say to her that this man needed help, some help. And I remember cringing as she told him what God had said and asked him if he did need any help. It turned out that he had two very small children and his wife was in hospital dying of cancer. He desperately needed help. Not long after this conversation, his wife did sadly pass away. And as second year students, me and Lisa and some other friends um, kind of just helped look after these children. But what was even more amazing was that Lisa went on to marry that man and she became mum to those children. In fact, Those children never really went without having a mum because she became mum. And 22 years later, they're still married and have more children of their own. God provided for that whole family 
through one brave step of obedience. You know, me cringing <laughs> next door, but Lisa obediently following what she had heard God say. Lisa had only got saved at university the year before. She was no Bible expert. She didn't have years of experience in ministry, yet God equipped her in that moment for his purposes. Secondly, gifts of faith. We know that every person who has put their trust in Jesus has faith, a supernatural faith, actually, um, because it's from God. And there is an everyday faith that we all experience as we continually put our trust in Jesus. So the gift of faith must be different to this. It's a kind of super duper supernatural faith. Um, And when God gives this kind of faith to a person for a particular situation, Sam Storms, my hero, says that people often describe having an overwhelming assurance that not only God can do something, but he will do it. You know, I would say Mary has that gift of faith. The way Mary prays is just incredible. She, she, the, the kind of experiences and the stories that she shares of the, the way God has moved in her life and in the lives of others is totally inspiring. Who wants to have faith like Mary does? Yes, me too. And then there's gifts of healing. Now, some people unhelpfully believe that the gift of healing means that a person with the gift of healing can heal sick people wherever they go. But it's really important to remember that God is in charge of all the gifts, not the people he gives them to. And we just don't know all the purposes of God. I'm sure we've all experienced incredible moments where we have seen God heal. But equally, we've been totally baffled and disappointed when God hasn't. God's ways are so much higher than ours. Many years ago, um, me and Nick and Sam, um, we ran a youth club in Openshaw and we got to know a family who became very precious to us. Sam and Nick particularly became good friends of the family and mum and dad were such brilliant, funny people um, but who also struggled for years with addiction, alcohol and heroin. Cody was their son and he was cheeky, naughty, and absolutely wonderful. We loved him. Cody was the young person at the end of youth club who would like sidle up to me and have deeper questions about God. It was really clear that God had his hand on this family. But then we heard that Cody got cancer. Our little church had prayer meetings where we literally cry. I'm going to cry. How long ago was it? time we cried out in prayer asking for healing but slowly just for the tape for, for the recording slowly we watched the cancer take hold of Cody and he became weaker and weaker but at the same time we were able to witness Cody's mum and dad loving on him in a way, like prioritising him over their addiction in a way we'd never seen before. 
I often wonder if Cody had not passed away, if he would have ever experienced the love that they showed him in his last weeks and months. Cody gave his life to Jesus, and so we absolutely know he's in heaven. And we're totally confident that he's with Jesus. You know, and the thing is, I think that he has potentially avoided a life of crime, of addiction, and and prison, and who knows what else. God decided to take Cody to himself. And sometimes God doesn't give the gift of healing, but we can trust that he always knows what he's doing. Amazing. That's good. I'll just I'll just say that on the microphone for the tape. So <laughs> Nick has shared that Sam has taken dad with him to go and preach at another church today. And um and Steve is now heroin and alcohol free um like because God has been doing a work in his life and this is we've known them for 20 years you know this is years but God has God has got his hand on that family our friend Ronan heard a preach on healing and in response began offering prayer to people who we met who were poorly the thing is, he happened to be um, working for an agency where he was placed in a hospital. So there was poorly people everywhere. And there were some hilarious stories of him acting in faith and getting into all kinds of trouble. But one lady he prayed for experienced her back being healed. And she told her colleague who then, went, who then came to him and got some prayer for healing. Another person um, whose lady... Uh, another person whose eyesight had deteriorated to almost no sight got healed and he was able to share the gospel with her and she became a Christian you know even before the church weekend away last week I'd had a headache for three days and I shared it on this little whatsapp group and our friend who lives in Pakistan said that she'd prayed for me and um, and the headache disappeared like, isn't that incredible? All the way from Pakistan, her prayers impacted my head because our God is good. God does heal. A person might be gifted to heal many people, but not all. Someone might be given the gift just to heal one person at a particular time. Healing is not a right we can claim as Christians. God doesn't owe us healing, but what we do know is that God does heal and that we should pray for healing. We don't understand why sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't, but we can pray expectantly for people to be healed because we know Jesus healed people because he loved them and he had compassion for them. Fourthly, um, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, this has got to be the weirdest gift I remember visiting a church as a child and hearing people speaking in tongues for the first time and I just had a fit of giggles. Many years later, it was a Sunday evening where I nervously put my hand in the air to ask 
people to pray for me for the gift of tongues. People gathered around me and prayed over me and encouraged me to just open my mouth and start speaking out. And there was absolutely no flipping way that I was going to do that. Eventually, the little group dispersed and I went back to my seat feeling a little bit deflated, but determined that I was not going to make anything up. Some time later, I would find myself over and over waking up in the night speaking in tongues. I was just doing it. And I knew that there was absolutely nothing, this was nothing to do with me because I was just waking up. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 2 describes tongues as a form of prayer. He also says it's a, it's a way of singing our praise to God. And it's also a way of giving thanks to God. In the Bible, there seems to be kind of three types of prayer. I suppose two, but three. The type we see at Pentecost where people were able to speak languages they didn't know so that people heard about Jesus in their own language. And we hear, don't we, stories of that happening in, in meetings. In the Mike Pilavachi book that we've been reading, there's a great story where that happens. Lisa, my friend Lisa, when we were waitressing, silver service waitressing, there was um, some men in the kitchen who were from another country, and she decided that her tongue sounded a little bit similar to them. So she checked it out with them in the kitchen, and, and it wasn't. <laughs> but that was another one of those moments with Lisa. And then there's a tongue that only benefits the person who's praying, because it isn't interpreted by anyone else other than God. And Paul says this is a private prayer language between God and the person. When I was in labour with Caleb, my eldest, before I was, um, had the epidural, um, I found myself desperately and loudly speaking in tongues to the embarrassment of everyone around me in the room. I just couldn't stop. It was coming out. And I do think there is good reason why the Bible says that you should keep quiet unless there's an interpreter. <laughs> Tom probably agrees. Um, and that, but that leads me to speaking in tongues when there is an interpreter. Paul imagined that in church meetings, two or at most three should take it in turns to share a tongue and that there should be an interpretation when it's publicly spoken. So if you're part of a service and you know someone has the gift of interpretation there, stepping out in faith to share a tongue is a huge encouragement to the church. Sam Storms says, the gift of interpretation is spirit-empowered ability to understand and communicate an otherwise unintelligible public utterance of tongues for the spiritual benefit of the church. i say it again a spirit-empowered ability to understand and communicate an otherwise unintelligible public utterance of tongues for the spiritual benefit of the church. Now, these are just a few of the spiritual gifts. There are gifts of teaching and leadership, of hospitality, encouragement, administration. And I'm quite sure if Paul had been writing today, he would have added the gift of tech I wonder what a supernatural gift of tech would be like. It would never go wrong. <laughs> um, but, you know, don't, don't quote me on that, because that might be absolutely heretical. And then you'd have to add the gift of, like, rotors, wouldn't you, and the gift of crash. Um, so there we go. So to summarise, spiritual gifts 
come from God himself. They are God's idea. They are God at work through his people in all different ways to build his church. Spiritual gifts are for every single one of us. We each have a part to play. Every one of us is needed. Gifts are not to make us look great or super holy. They are to make God look great. They are given for the common good. Gifts are not for our own Christian career path. They are to encourage other people to walk closer with Jesus. Gifts are ways to serve each other. Jesus came to seek and serve the lost. And as followers of him, that's what we are to do too. We glorify God better when we each play our part. And we're a more effective witness to the world when we each play our part. Why not pray that God would speak to you right now? Maybe give you a word of knowledge or encouragement for someone. Maybe a Bible verse to share. Maybe a picture. I want to encourage us all to step out and use our gifts to encourage each other. It's not about getting up the front. Maybe you just want to go and pray with another person in the room. But ask God how he wants you to use, how he wants to use you to build his church today. And not, not just today, not just on a Sunday. We, we, we are the church all through the week, aren't we? How can we be encouraging each other all through the week? But maybe you find yourself longing to know what gifts God has given you. Maybe you struggle to know your place in church. Let's pray for people that God would fill them with confidence of who he is and who they are in him.